In a world full of noise and confusion, it's hard to focus on what's really important. In a culture where religion has become a grab bag of ideas, the precision of language is necessary for the proclamation of truth. This podcast is dedicated to that type of precision. I'm not sure what we'll talk about each day in this podcast, but you can rest assured that as our thoughts and questions continue, we will search the scriptures in order to know the truth. So let's get started. Are you listening? I want to talk today specifically to pastors, pastors who've been in the ministry for a long time and pastors who have been in the ministry for a short time. You may not be a pastor listening to this podcast today, but you can still glean some of the things that I'm going to talk about. I want you to understand, pastor specifically, that I've been a pastor for over two decades, almost 22 years now I've been in the ministry. I've worked with children, youth, senior adults. I've worked in every different aspect of cooperative work and missions work and state convention work. I've been part of several church plants and even planted a church of my own. And I say my own and that God called me to do it. And we got things started. Of course, we don't take credit for anything we've done. And quite honestly, our experience is not what gives us the credibility. As a matter of fact, there is really no credibility when it comes to the work of the ministry. Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is breathed out by Him, by the Lord, by God. And that's where our success comes from. By being faithful to continue to proclaim the faithfulness of God and to teach His people to do the work of the ministry. God, by His Spirit, as He sees fit, when He sees fit, He gives the growth. We plant, and we continue to build, and we water, and then he gives the growth. But I want to talk today, Pastor, about some of the things that may be on your shoulders. And I'm probably going to extend this podcast topic through the end of next week. Maybe we're going to do two weeks on this. I might even do a special hour-long podcast and possibly a Q&A. So I ask you to please stay tuned and subscribe to this podcast so that you can, you can at least find out what we're going to talk about. I could talk about the season of life where I was in that darkness for a long, long time. And I've written about it. I've even started a book that's all about 90% done years ago, but I never published it because there's a lot of dark things that I'm not happy about. I do remember the times being told that I was probably not called to ministry, that if ministry wasn't fun for me, I probably should find something else to do. But friends, when you feel like nothing's right, when you feel like all you've done is just waste every breath, and there's really no reason why you feel that way, and you can't put your finger on it, and you pray and you cry out to the Lord, and you do what you do because you have an obligation to continue to shepherd people and teach, but they can't see the real you. There's a mask in front. There's a fake person standing on the outside. And on the inside, there's something really heinous and dark and evil and weak and somewhat guilty, constantly guilty, because you cannot escape the truth of who you really are. Well, I look at pastoral burnout, I look at pastoral depression, I look at ministry, and ministry can rob everything from you. And I'll tell you why it robbed it from me. This may not be true for you, but let me tell you how I ended up in the depths of depression as a pastor. First of all, I became more concerned with doing what I'd been taught to do and assimilating people and playing the program game than I was to be faithful to the Word of God. And more than anything, that took the life right out of me. Jesus says in John 6, I am the bread of life. Now, of course, Jesus is talking about eternally. He's talking about salvifically. But listen to what Peter says, where he says that everything that we need for life and godliness is given by the divine power of God. 
Paul would tell Timothy, be strengthened by the grace which is yours in Jesus Christ. He's talking about Timothy's suffering and persecution. And he does so because when he teaches Timothy through the writing of those letters, the grace of God is given to Timothy through the reading of those letters. This is a supernatural and a divine thing. But back to the point. When we're not faithful to the Word of God in every aspect of our calling, in every aspect of our oversight and shepherding, it can cause depression. If we start thinking about other people and how they look at us, all we're going to do is keep on thinking about how we're not meeting the measure of their standard. And I'm not talking about being a man pleaser, but I mean looking at other people and how they view our, quote, job as a pastor. Another reason that depression set in for me is that I actually started thinking that it was a job. It's not a job in the first place. It's a calling that you do whether you can complete it or not. Moses was never equipped to do the job he was called to. David was never able to complete the job with faithfulness. Abram never, ever did anything right. And the list goes on and on. But God is faithful. God is the one who calls and sets us there. It's not a job. It's a life. Something else for me is being misaligned with church leadership and philosophy and theology. Friends, I can't tell you that you do not need to go into a congregation and get so-called called to their pastorate or called to their staff because of your charisma and your skill set and, your, and, and how people like you and what you might bring to the table in reaching certain types of people. That is not the way God calls men to the ministry. God would not call us in the sense of going to a place or to a people that does not align with us theologically. If you are in a congregation and you are diametrically opposed with what they believe as a whole in their documents, the chances of you having a joyful tenure there is really, really impossible. And I'm not telling you to leave, and I'm telling those of you who find yourself in that place and don't know what to do, reach out to me. Go to my website, anchoringfaith.org. Go to the contact tab and send me a message. I will call you and I will send you my phone number. We can learn from each other. What happened for me after that is when I found myself at odds or misaligned with the leadership of the philosophy of ministry and with doctrine is that I began to second guess everything I did. Is it good enough? Is it right? Is it wrong? Who's thinking about it? What's this person going to say? What's this person going to say? What's that person going to say? And before long, it began to affect my mind, began to affect my family, it began to affect my marriage. And people began to notice, and their commitment to me and their counsel to me was, maybe you should go do something else. Maybe you're not called to ministry. But you know what I learned? I learned that I had been spending so much time doing ad ministry that I was not spending time in the ministry of reconciliation. And so the burnout for me was something that was a long time coming. It was one little chip away. It's not that straw that we always like to blame that breaks the camel. It's all the other straws underneath it. It's all the other straws underneath it. And what happens is I really believe that we forget that we are the children of God. We forget that we are also part of the family of faith. We are members of the local assembly, and we also need ministry. We forget that the Bible has said we should not have a single pastor. We should not be the only person. There's no such place in the Bible for the, for the church to have a leadership team or a board or a, uh, a, a, an unbiblical model of leadership where the pastor answers 
We need to have some co-equals, some men who are called to shepherd alongside each other. And that's where the safety really comes. And for me, it was because I had failed to trust in God, and I began to trust in myself. I began to trust in myself to find my joy, trust in myself to find my bearings, trust in myself to find the success in ministry. And I had this checklist that was, that was economical in the sense of culture. It was not theological. It was not biblical. I began to think that my ministry work was more difficult than God could handle. It was something that, that He had set on top of me to choke me out, and I was just supposed to swim to the other side of this this, this crazy, crazy sea. And when I got there, he'd be like, good job. I'm glad you did it. Now we're back together. That's not the way it is at all. Every step of the way, we are supposed to be submitting to the power of God. And that means we trust in it. We trust in the fact that God is bigger than every circumstance. Friends, we do not have to give up because Christ is king. Everything we feel and experience is in the hand of the sovereignty of God. I want to talk about that as well. I also help. I also feel. I know I'm stammering a little bit. This is not going to be as a professional a podcast because it's very personal. But I also found myself not spending enough time in worship and study and prayer. Now I prayed and I studied and I worshipped, but it was for the sake of my job. Remember the J-O-B. It was for the sake of my position in the church. I studied so that I might have something to teach. I prayed so that it might be effectual. And none of those things are bad. But my experience with Christ was just for the sake of someone else. Instead of me seeking after Christ, my ministry was something that I talked about. It was not something that I experienced. I never walked in a way that was fruitful because all I could consider is that I am hurting and there's nothing I can do. So I just got to go through the motions. And I was not in this place with the Lord. Though I was, he never left me. I had left him in my mind in that sense. Something else too that causes, that caused me to really slip quickly into a deeper place and a darker place is when those brothers who were, who were around me that used to encourage me and exhort me, begin to rebuke me and say, man, you're just, you're probably at the end of your game. You need to go. These things are hurtful, sort of like Job's friends. That's what they did. So what do we expect? Do we think we're going to have cheerleaders? Not everybody's going to have people to hold our hands up like Moses. But even then, how, what did the majority do? They, they complained against him. They looked at him and said, hey, you know, you bring us out here to die. Where's, where's the Lord in this? Where's our God? Well, You know what's wonderful is I did learn through this, and I'll close with this, is I did learn through all of this is that I had forgotten what it meant to fill up what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. When I suffered in my depression, in the midst of it, I was not able to see, and in some sense, my God was too small in my own mind. I was unable to see that in my suffering that God was working in me great faith. And God was working in me a great resolve to be able to share this experience with other people and to show them that the suffering that we are experiencing, we have partnered with Christ, even when it's in our flesh, even when it's in persecution, and even when it's in our mind. So I want you to know that you can endure. We can fight for the joy of Christ. We do that by, by standing firm and going even when it makes no sense to do so, going into the Scripture and crying out to the Lord. There's a beautiful thing that Paul teaches us in Romans 8. 
that the Spirit of God prays for us in our weakness when we don't even know how we ought to pray. Brother, you are not forsaken. We'll talk tomorrow.